0: Welcome back, everyone. In this special Easter episode of our Corner Stories podcast, Pastor Gordon sits down and chats with Deborah Moncom.
1: It was that moment where I just prayed that God would open my eyes, and then I think I had mentioned that nothing happened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was going to say, so, so you prayed that, and God answered it right yeah, away, yeah. and your life totally changed, and then you were baptized. the well, next Well,
1: it was bizarre because I prayed it, and it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't like I, I prayed it, and it was. Um, it was. It, it's almost like I prayed it, and then nothing happened, and I was okay with that. I didn't really question it.
0: This is a Corner Stories podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Gordon Dickinson. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone Stratford. With me today is Deborah Montgomery. Deborah, welcome. Glad to have you here today.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah,
0: um, Deborah, it was exciting just on Thanksgiving Sunday to baptize you. And at that Mm -hmm. time, we heard some of your story. Mm -hmm. And we thought it'd be great just to kind of bring your story um, to the podcast and to have a little more time and opportunity Mm -hmm. to. To share some of your story and uh, how that's all been. It's been really exciting to hear it and to get to know you over the past few months myself. And I know at Stratford, it's been really exciting for us to be part of your story in some small way. So Mm. yeah, why don't you just help us understand a little bit who you are? Um, Give us a picture of your story in a a thumbnail, and then we'll kind of dive into it.
1: Yeah, um, I think uh, my first of all, my testimony during my baptism was it was interesting because that whole, that day was a bit of a culmination of the last four, five years of transitioning from being an atheist to being a Christian. I was raised Baptist, but that was part of my testimony. I left my faith very early, um, but about me in a nutshell right now, I mean, I'm, I'm living here in PEI, I'm an uh, intern architect um, with a side music practice. So I have invested a heck of a lot of time in my career that has guided me. That and God I think is what brought me to PEI. I grew up in Nova Scotia, but I spent a lot of time. I lived in Scotland, I've lived in Alberta, I've lived up in the Northwest Territories, so I've been living a bit of a nomadic life and now I'm in PEI.
0: Yeah, well, as we've had a chance to talk a couple of times Mm. and just hearing your testimony, I, I've been kind of amazed at the journey you've been through, and it is a really fascinating one. Some of the ideologies that you, you explored, some mm. of the life paths you took, and just yeah. the personal kind of dynamics that have brought you to this point. So, mm. yeah, well, why don't, we, why don't we go right into it? You, you, you mentioned that you were kind of raised Baptist, but then mm. things changed. Yes. Give us a picture of what happened there.
1: Yeah, so when I was really little... I remember when I was really young, I, I loved going to church. I loved the stories, um, I never and I never really questioned faith, and maybe that's just the nature of being a small child. It's just, it's easy-er, I guess, to believe. Um, but I think a few life circumstances, most notably my parents' divorce, which was particularly troubling, um, just the nature of their split. And then also a lot of bullying, both in school and in the church, Ultimately, ultimately led me to question God's benevolence. Mm -hmm. Maybe Um, I think it's the the. Now, what I said, what I mentioned in my testimony is, it's really I had a hard time situating my faith and really understanding my faith relative to the what I was experiencing Mm -hmm. in school and in life. And at the time, I just couldn't make sense. I couldn't. I couldn't fit those two together. And I couldn't reconcile them. So ultimately it led me to drop my faith because it just didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that one of the things I mentioned is that that ultimately becoming an atheist at the end of the day, when I stop and I reflect on it, had nothing had less to do with me truly not believing in God. It had more to do with the fact that I was angry and I had nowhere to put that anger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that is really what led me to leave the church and leave my faith. Although... I think, and I think it's come up in conversations with you previously, I don't know if I ever truly psychologically abandoned my belief in God. It's mm-hmm. just, I, I, it just sent me down this path of um, exploration and ironically, <laughs> listening to more atheist philosophies, when I really started to dig into it, I realized that those were just not compatible with reality either, which hmm. was interesting.
0: Yeah, it, it, maybe flesh out just a little bit about what mm-hmm. you explored. What was it that you were drawn to? What it was? What were the limitations that you recognized? Because I know you've yeah. talked about that before with me. Yeah.
1: yeah. So when I was starting to really dig into atheist philosophy, it's fine if I just stayed on the surface and understand. Because a, a big part of it, or my takeaway from it, was that really reality is the five senses. It's what you can see. It's what you can measure. And anything beyond that is just not real. If you can't prove its existence, then you can't rationally believe in it. And I think that was really the crux for me is that when I was in my early 20s and I started off in art school, but I eventually went into architecture. Um, and a big part of that was I, I wanted to la- live this rational life where I wanted to search for the rational truth. And I just wanted to live this really rational, rational life. Um, and... Where it all started to fall apart for me, little by little, as I started to dig a little bit more into these philosophies, um, and I realized that to say that there is no God and that the like how we came to be and how we're here in this time has just been a series of coincidences or a series of um, cause and effect relationships that we've just like we've just landed here for mm-hmm. no reason to say that that we were here for no reason and that there, there is no God basically to say there is no God takes us just as much faith as to say there is a God I guess <laughs> if that makes any sense Yeah, sure sure so that was part of the unraveling I guess mm-hmm. of what I assumed to be true about atheism
0: what were you seeing You've mentioned some of this before mm-hmm. in our conversations, but what were you seeing in the people that were in those circles? Like, mm-hmm. um, w- was it working for them? Was it just you mm-hmm. that was coming? What were you recognizing about where those ideologies were taking them and their right. experience and what you saw?
1: Yeah, so what I ended up seeing, uh, I mean, I, I circled in and out of a lot of groups because I was in architecture school, art school. I did a lot of traveling, so I've, I've, I've met quite a few different types of people over the years. Um, there was a lot of nihilism, a lot of people struggling with m- the meaninglessness of of life. Mm-hmm. And it was almost as though <laughs> if, if life doesn't mean anything, I mean, what's the purpose of caring about your job? What's the purpose of caring about your friends, your family? Like, why? Why does it matter? And then there was an element of well, if nothing means anything, and every it, it's like every person for themselves. It, it all it, there was also a very there was quite a bit of selfishness as, as well. I would I think in the way that people treated each other, but I think the meaninglessness of life was pretty debilitating. Um, and that's when I saw people. This is when I came to the realization that to be an atheist doesn't mean you're a religious. In fact, I think I've met very 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 few people. In fact, I don't think I've met anybody who doesn't have a religion, Hmm. a form of faith. And whether or not you place your faith fully in your job or in yourself or in your wealth or in your addictions, um, I was starting to see a lack of God play out in all sorts of different ways, Hmm. I guess. That's how I started to notice people, I guess. Yeah. In the way.
0: I mean you went through these these years uh, it was a long time mm. questioning dealing with that sense of anger that you had
1: mm-hmm.
0: remember you you mentioned this one particular day that stood out and you actually prayed
1: yeah and it was really weird yeah why don't you maybe
0: <laughs> tell just what that moment was well, for you it was
1: so funny i mean i remember that day i was 22 years old i had just started my master's degree and i had just come out of i the previous year i had saved up a bunch of money and i had backpacked through europe on my own which was really bizarre i don't know i i'm surprised i had the the wherewithal and the confidence to do that but i remember um it was that day was also a bit of a culmination because i remember walking i had landed in rome and I was walking around the Coliseum because I loved history, but it just, it almost seemed like I was sleepwalking through it all. And there was something, there was some sort of fog. There was something that was just, I almost felt like life was happening to me, but I wasn't really engaging with it and I couldn't figure out why. And so that kept on going. And I was like, well, you know, I've, I've worked hard. I've saved this money. I've done these things that should bring me a sense of like accomplishment and purpose and meaning and, It's not that they weren't enjoyable moments, but they weren't, they didn't have the impact I thought they were going to have. And so I remember being back in Halifax and I had just started my master's and I was walking down Spring Garden Road. And for no reason, it just, i wasn't a bad day. I wasn't in a bad mood. I wasn't sad. I wasn't depressed. um, But I just prayed and it came out of nowhere. And all I prayed was that God would open up my eyes because I knew there was something that was blocking me from engaging a little bit further with life in a meaningful way, hmm. which was very bizarre because <laughs> it's, it, it, I almost intuitively understood that there is, there is meaning and there is purpose in life. I just couldn't quite grasp it. Um, so in the midst of being around maybe individuals and being in um, academic circles that really say, there is no, there is no meaning, there's no definition. It is, life is whatever you say it is. But there's no meaning or definition to it. It's just live your life the way you want to, and that's fine. Um, and I was like, "But it's not fine." And I, and intuitively, I knew that. So it was that moment where I just prayed that God would open my eyes. And then I think I had mentioned that nothing happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, so, so you prayed that, and God answered it right yeah, away, yeah. and your <laughs> life totally changed, and then you were baptized the well, next day. Well,
1: it, it was bizarre because I prayed it, and it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't like I I prayed it, and it was. Um, it was. It, it's almost like I prayed it, and then nothing happened. And I was okay with that. I mm-hmm. didn't really question it. I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but whatever, I'm going to pray. And you know, whatever happens, happens. And then nothing happened. So yeah, yeah. For I mean, it did eventually, <laughs> but <laughs> it took a little bit of time to get there. Um, but yeah, I just, I just carried on and I went, um, I went through my master's. I did a term overseas. I moved to Scotland for a bit. I came back. Um, then I moved to Yellowknife. So there was a lot of moving around in between, but mm-hmm. Yeah, the the real, the moment that that fog lifted, and again, it didn't happen all at once, and it wasn't a comfortable thing. It was like, it almost felt like, so the fog lifted about five years ago, I would say, about a year before I left Yellowknife, and I think I had mentioned it coincided with a uh, business trip I had taken up around the north, and I had been to these little communities, and I was talking to several individuals just in these different communities, but one in particular that stood out is I was in a little a little community called Arviat in Nunavut, and I was supposed to go to inspect some government buildings, um, but I was talking to this man, and he was telling me his recollection. He was an Inuit man, and he just was telling me how he remembered from being a child how they grew up on the tundra living a nomadic life before they were resettled into these permanent communities, and he was just sharing um, some parts of his story and I was just it was it was just this like really open conversation and I don't know what it was about that conversation but it was in it it it, over the years I think that I had I started to little by little see how complex life is and how complex people are Mm -hmm. and it made me realize that like (laughs) first of all I I have a hard time believing that anything this complex doesn't have meaning and purpose Mm -hmm. Um, but that was one of the I think, breaking points, and it's odd that that was the breaking point because, um, and maybe it wasn't just that, maybe it was just an accumulation of all these little things that led up to that point. Mm -hmm. But that was the moment, I think, in my testimony where I'd mentioned that, um, and it didn't come to me as a voice. I want to make that clear because whenever I say this, people are like, well, you hear voices? And I'm like, no, I don't (laughs) hear voices. But it was just a phrase that came crystal clear. It was like, you've seen the world for what it is. It's beautiful and it's broken and it's time to come home. Not physically, Mm -hmm. but spiritually. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't necessarily the most comforting thing at the time to hear because um, I had, I had held on for so long to my sense of, I know how to make my life exactly what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it was that realization that do you even know what you want your life to be? Do you even know what you need your life to be? Do you know the purpose of your life? And because I can't see into the future, I don't. So it was that it was like little by little, like my, my own like worldview that I had constructed started to unravel a little bit. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Hmm. So that, that's when I started to question things that I formerly thought were very simple questions like what does it mean to be a good person um, suddenly were a little bit more complex and I say that because I think about you know <laughs> I think it's easy to think of myself as a good person when it comes to holding the door open for somebody or saying a kind word or sending a card and on their birthday or something like that um, and yeah, you don't necessarily need to need to be a, a, a Christian to do those things, but it, in the moments that matter, I think in moments where you're confronted with something that makes you really fearful, um, I think that's when it becomes really clear what your where your faith lies, hmm. and everybody's faith lies somewhere, and I realized that I needed to be. I needed to clarify, I think, where my faith stood Hmm. and in what I was placing my faith. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you had this sort of moment where that... Fog started to lift. That clarity started to come. It was taking time. It seemed like God hadn't been answering that prayer, but now I, this is maybe yeah. starting to come. What's what happens after that?
1: Well, it's funny. You know, as I think about that five-year period, or like that period where I was like nothing happened. <laughs> and in some ways, I think that God was almost preparing me because when that mm-hmm. tide broke, when that fog started to lift, it didn't happen all at once. But it happened over the course of I would say a year, and it was not comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, I decided because it coincided. It's almost like all these things happened. All at once and um, my father who had been out of my life for over 20 years contacted me out of the blue turns out he's not well so he's sick and he's in decline so it was one of those things where I was like well this is an opportunity I never thought that I would have and uh to even I never I never imagined that moment would come where I would be able to have conversations with him so knowing that he was not well and I decided to make the trip back east Mm -hmm. well My plan was to first leave my job in Yellowknife, because it was just not the right job for me to begin with. But um, eventually, I started applying for work, and I was looking in Alberta, because I wasn't really intending to move back. Um, But I ended up, an old friend from school mentioned a firm here in Charlottetown who was looking for an intern architect. And when he first said that, I was like PEI, I don't know. (laughs) Um, but I applied for the job and the interviews were just great and we were having these really great philosophical conversations about the nature of architecture and so one thing led to another and I ended up (laughs) I ended up accepting like a $25,000 pay cut like sold off all my stuff in Yellowknife and left Yellowknife with two suitcases and my dog Hmm. Um, and yeah and, and just made the trek back and It was interesting because I also ended up heading into a period because I knew nobody on the island when I moved here. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a car the first year. (laughs) So (laughs) all those things combined, basically, I became a social hermit, Mm -hmm. which I think was exactly what I needed. Hmm. Yeah. So I just like after that, I almost went into this period of social isolation. And I decided to dig into Christian apologetics a little bit. Um, and so I started to just read a lot more. I was reading a lot more about 20th century history and things that I hadn't, that I kind of vaguely knew about, but never really dug into. So I was reading a lot about the history of, of, like Karl Marx and communism. And on average, I, I find that we learn a lot about the history of World War II and fascism, but not as much about the pitfalls of socialism and communism. Um, so I was reading a lot about that kind of more contemporary history um, yeah. And then I think if I was going to, not to say that, not to fast forward over that period, but it wasn't until Easter of this year that I decided to look for a church service. Yeah. And yeah.
0: this is an interesting story. What prompted mm-hmm. that for you? Uh, and what did you um, do?
1: So I do. it's funny, I was having this conversation because even when I moved here, uh, I knew that there were things that were happening. I still hadn't fully accepted that I was a Christian yet. It was just like slowly I was starting to realize that, also a lot of the philosophers that I really admired were all Christian. Hmm. A lot of athletes, I'm super into CrossFit. I don't do it, but for whatever reason, I'm obsessed with watching (laughs) it. Yeah, Me too. I'm really into CrossFit. I just don't do it. (laughs) I just don't do it, but I'm like really into it in my head, but I enjoy watching it. And all my, like a lot of my favorite athletes are also Christian. And I was like, okay, what is this? So I started to unpack a lot of these things and I was like, it almost like I stumbled upon it. I was like, I think I might be like at least I, I accept the, Like a lot of, I, I I'm I'm understanding. I'm coming to terms with the fact that I, I think I'm I'm a I'm a Christian, but it was I was having a conversation with my younger sister, and she said something in conversation about how she is just excited about Jesus, and she said it, and I was like, I don't even know what that feels like. Like what does that mean to be excited about mm-hmm. Jesus? And then I I, I kind of left that night, and I was like. She was living in, uh, well, she currently still is living in Vancouver. So this is over the phone. And I hung up and I was like, that's such an interesting thing to say. And then like a few weeks later, I, I found myself wanting to know more. It was the most bizarre thing because I'm like, there, it's almost like for somebody who wants to be, who like, I just wanted to live this rational life. It, it, it seemed very irrational the way that things were hmm. unfolding and I don't think that means it was irrational. It just didn't happen in a way that made sense to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it was. That's when I started to read the Bible. Uh, <laughs> and so I was like, okay. Mm. I started to read it cover to cover. I'm currently just in the m- middle of the book of John. So I, it's been a bit slow over the last few weeks. But um, yeah, I started to read it, and and of course that started to unravel further because my preconceived notions about what the Bible even was. Um, it's it's funny because I think about this when I, I've had lots of conversations with, with like people who, like people in the secular world who have a lot of crit- criticisms about the Bible and I had a lot of criticisms about the Bible but I had a lot of criticisms which for someone who never read the Bible yeah, yeah. was like not fair not not at all like not doesn't really it's not very rational so I started reading the Bible and that started then things started to cement a little bit further. It's so almost like this like really slow curing process as I'm like mm-hmm. kind of leading up to Easter of last year. And I can't remember exactly what prompted me to want to search, but I was looking through. I just Googled church services, came across Cornerstone, saw that you guys were here locally. And I started listening and it was interesting because um, the sermon, I can't remember what it was, but I do remember there was there was the sermon and they, they were relating what was taught and talked about biblically back to real life that was interesting so i remember i started listening every week and for about a month i was listening every sunday and that was great i could just drink my coffee and sit at home and i don't know be a social hermit like normal uh and then until it came to one sermon where the pastor said something along the lines of you can't it's it doesn't faith isn't meant to be experienced in isolation hmm and i was like ah oh, man <laughs> i think you might be right so it was so i was thinking about that and i decided that next week maybe it might be time to try and come in person hmm. and i couldn't uh, the waiting list had uh, there was a waiting list for cornwall and i think it would ar- it was already all booked up so i ended up reserving a spot in stratford and I remember being so nervous because I hadn't stepped foot with the exception of I have visited so many churches to admire the architecture. But in terms of being in a church for mm-hmm. a sermon, I hadn't stepped foot inside a church in over 10 years. So it was this moment where I was like, mm, like, I don't even really know specifically what made me nervous. But I sat in my car for 15 minutes texting my mom beforehand. Mm. <laughs> so, she wow. was very happy, though. She yeah. was like very encouraging from afar. She was like, just go. Stop being like so ridiculous (laughs) get out of your car you're like a grown person so yeah anyways um so
0: I remember we we sat down and had a conversation one day and um we're talking about some of your stories some of these types of Mm. things you were thinking through Mm -hmm. I think at that point you hadn't yet even gotten to the New Testament yes and you were you know still trying to but you were already I could see so many questions you know that you were thinking about at such a deep level so thoughtful like you have explored all these different ideologies seen the world from different perspectives Mm -hmm. and um and and you're just very articulate about those things and I remember asking you a question in that about Jesus and and we talked about that later on and just where were you at that point what was going on and and what sort of changed over the next I guess month or so
1: well it was funny when you asked me what is who is Jesus to you and I think I said he's a mentor. I think that's what I said, because I hadn't really given that question a whole lot of thought, which was interesting because I have a tendency to treat things in a very academic way. And so I'd been working my way through the Bible, trying to think about it. And it's almost like I was trying to solve this philosophical puzzle, but I hadn't really given a whole lot of thought to who Jesus really was to me. And it wasn't until I started to sit down and write out my testimony that that came together Um, And I guess when you would ask me that question, it's, it's nothing really changed in my, I don't think anything changed in my relationship with Jesus at that point. It was more, it it forced me to unpack, I think, or dig out what Jesus meant to me.
0: I remember getting a, an email from you. Mm. Um, I, I feel like it was within a month from that first meeting. Yeah. And you said, I think I want to be baptized. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then just sitting down with you and talking about mm. that. And uh, yeah, so what was it like for you mm. to come up on that and to to write down mm. a testimony, to walk into that day to be baptized? What was that experience like?
1: It was exciting. It was exciting more than anything else. And I, the reason why it was exciting is because, you know, when you had first, it actually started when you mentioned in a sermon, I think the week before probably, I think the Sunday before, I think I sent you the email that week about being ready to be baptized. You had mentioned it in sermon where you said, you were like the, we have this, we have this tank, this baptism tank, would love to use it. And I was just like, it made me, it really made me think. And I thought, you know, this time is coming. I, I, I'm, I've been thinking so I'm, I'm going to try and, and fit an, an analogy in here and it may or may not work. So we'll see. Um, and I think I mentioned this in one of our conversations about music because I've been doing this mentorship work with this concert violinist in the UK and we were just talking about the nature of music. And he was like, as a musician, as a violinist, it's like, well, when we're talking about sound, it's like you have to, first, you have to be able to recognize what a good sound is. And then once you recognize what a good sound is, you have to be relentless in your pursuit of it. It's like you're you're just chasing this good sound. And I was like, well, that's if I was gonna apply that analogy, it's almost like maybe, maybe that's a microcosm of what faith is. It's like understanding who God is and 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 relentlessly like pursuing, relentlessly searching for God's goodness and and almost everything in a way. And as I was starting to piece these things together, I knew that baptism was the next step, um, and whether or not it happened Thanksgiving this past year or in two years, it was going to happen. And at some point, it's like, why wait? Because it's it, 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 that's that's where I'm going, and that's that's what I think I'm meant to be doing. Um, so when I emailed you about that, I I, I think it just it just was n- totally natural. Yeah,
0: It's been fascinating to see um, just you, you and now that you're into the New Testament more mm, and you're reading yeah. and just you're, the way that you're understanding who Jesus is mm. and you're, you're wrestling through that and you're pursuing that, you know, good sound mm. that you, I guess you've heard.
1: Yeah. Um, it's
0: been really neat to see that kind of coming alive for you and yeah. for the church to celebrate that yeah. with you when you got baptized.
1: Yeah, it was so. It was really, really lovely. I I had so I had some really good conversations with some individuals in the congregation after that baptism. Um, so it was, all in all, just a really, really wonderful experience.
0: What's interesting for me uh, at one point, I was thinking to myself. You, you know, we're, we're not talking to you um, like you've got it all figured out. You, you're at the beginning of your story. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you're not at the beginning of your story. Your journey has lasted for a long time. For a long time. And it's taken you a long time to get here. But mm-hmm. I think what I've seen in your story and what I've heard from you is mm-hmm. this This, you know, God drawing you to himself Mm. slowly, patiently, revealing himself, bringing the clarity, bringing that fog out. Yeah. It's an amazing kind of story of faithfulness
1: to me. Well, it's, it's, it is amazing. If my sister had come to me five years ago, it's like someone trying to put you in a headlock and force you into submission. If that had been the way that somebody tried to bring me to church and I would have gone running in the other direction. And so it really makes me think about how I communicate my faith to other people particularly my closest friends who may not understand but I I think there that that I think it's because it was the grace in which I was led back to Christ that really makes me stop and think how do I communicate my faith to other people
0: uh, we, we haven't talked a lot of, you you mentioned though a, a little bit about being a musician mm. and one of the things I found really fascinating is um, was some of the ways that you were relating music and your mm. pursuit of being a musician mm. to some growth in faith and pursuing yeah. this. Yeah. I wonder if there's just any any other analogies or thoughts you've had like that. We've we've talked about a couple and yeah. what comes to your mind.
1: Well, it's so funny because everything, th- that's what I meant about like when I started to read the Bible, and I started to notice these patterns in music and these patterns in these biblical stories that really started to fit together in a way that I was like, it's it's almost like it's just kind of a little bit amazing. But I think one of the analogies really was the pursuit of a good sound and really understanding what a good sound is. But another one I, I, I mentioned last night was, um, it, it, it's come up several times because Compared to my mentor, I'm like a pitiful violinist. He's just exceptionally talented. Well,
0: I just want to say too, for some context, like yeah. you're you're not just a pitiful violinist. Like you've played with the symphony and yes. like
1: I've played with a lot of like musical like organizations, chamber orchestras over yeah. the years. Um, but it's still it's still like that's that's kind of this thing where it's never going to be a situation much like I anticipate my faith being. It's never going to be this point where I I reach an end.
0: I've arrived, I've arrived. And
1: now I'm this perfect violinist. (laughs) It's not going to happen. And I talked to my mentor about this, because there was a, a day where I came in, we meet over zoom. And I mentioned that, you know, this entire week, I feel like I've just been fighting really bad habits. And he was like, welcome to the world of a musician. He was like, that never goes away and so it's just part of the process where you are constantly being aware of your ear and what you're hearing and then your body positioning and how you're moving are you hunched in are you letting the sound come to you or are you trying to force it out of your instrument and so it's like it's all these it's like these new it's the nuance in it that creates this like really interesting dance and i think it's the same with faith as that well that's what i'm discovering anyways i'm by no means an expert <laughs> by any stretch but I mean, it's it's that it, I think that's really what it is. It's almost like this dance, where you are constantly being aware of when, because I know what it's like when I want to take the reins and take the control, um, because I did it for so many years and I still do it. It's not like I've totally s- like flipped the switch, but um, understanding what God's purpose for me is versus what I think my purpose should be. That's the that's the trick because I I find that very challenging, um, but yeah the other musical analogy I think was the, um, but this was from when I was a child going into my music lesson thinking that I had nailed my scale practice and I was super excited and I played it and my teacher was like that was terrible, <laughs> and, and it was it was one of those things where I was like man I thought I did so well but it was just I couldn't hear it it's just my ear just hadn't been trained where it didn't to the point where it needed to be for me to pick up on those even very subtle differences in pitch so there's all sorts of little things where I think that I have it but I don't yeah Uh, which used to be a very offensive thing to me (laughs) I used to find that very offensive to say oh you don't actually know or maybe you're not as good as you think you are and now I hear that and I'm like yeah I think that could be true wow (laughs) Well, I think it's
0: interesting, you know, the the story of of Jacob in the Old Testament, mm. uh, which you, I guess you would have read. Yes. And uh, you know, he wrestles with the angel, or wrestles with yes. God, and yes. and his name is changed to Israel, which means wrestles with God. Yes. And yeah. so, even as a people, beyond yes. his own life, his descendants mm. are known as the people who wrestle with God.
1: Well, yeah. And I think
0: that's you know kind of a bit of our story always. Yeah. We have to be people that. sort out those tensions and figure life out and struggle and yet find God present in the midst of it
1: yeah you know I remember reading and I, I would talk to my mom about this because and bless her heart she's been I can't even imagine now you know she was so grateful when I moved back to to the east coast and when I started going back to church because she was like I am it just made her so happy she's always been very steadfast in her faith And um, so I remember talking to her about the genealogy and it would talk about, you know, like Noah walked with God for this many years and then died. But it was the phrase walked with that stood out to me because not everybody that was mentioned was spoken about that way. Some were this so-and-so lived this number of years and then died. But Noah walked with God for this number of years and then died. I remember talking to mom about that because I was like, what is that? what does that mean? Is that just a a difference in the relationship that these individuals had with God? And I was like, what relationship do I want to have? And then I remember also reading about, um, you know, I mean, the story of King David, who the story, I guess the Bible wasn't about, it wasn't necessarily about figures who were perfect and therefore had a perfect relationship with God. It, they were about people who struggle with real human struggles and then had a relationship with god that could be that could be meaningful so that struck me and then i started to see the meaning in life again
0: yeah well it's amazing i i, I don't know you know, I, I could probably keep talking to you forever but i mm-hmm. think maybe we'll wrap up our conversation for today yeah. and i just want to thank you so much and yeah. i I'm excited to to see uh, the story, how Mm -hmm. it's gone over many years. And we've just been a part of it for a short time. But to see what God's been doing even in that time has been really amazing. And so my hope for you is that you will continue to walk with God, Mm -hmm. that you will hear that sound really clearly. And you will pursue that. Your ear will get better and better knowing how to recognize it and then produce that kind of beauty in your own life. And So thanks for sharing some of that story and that song with us today. And uh, thank you, Deborah. God bless.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Tune in next time to hear from my good friend Josh McFadden as Phil asks him simple questions like, What do you do? Switching to your work a little bit, like you're like Chandler to me, where I know you're employed at UPEI. Uh, we've been friends for several years, but I'm not entirely sure what it is that you do. Like everyone kind of knows Chandler, he was a fun guy to be around, <laughs> and you ask him, like, What do you do? I'm like, I don't really know. Uh, Josh, he works at UPEI. Uh, so describe a little bit about the work that you do now, just so we understand that that aspect of it. Colleen's going to laugh about this one because it took me a few minutes to realize that you were talking about a TV show uh, <laughs> about friends. Let this message about Christ and all his richness fill our lives. See you next time.